Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Mary O'Connell, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Not only is there the coolest show in freight, but there's also Running on Ice, the newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that on freightways.com slash running on ice. Today, we are joined by Royce Neubauer, founder and CEO of SFL Companies. Welcome back to the show, Royce. Happy to be back. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited to continue on our conversation and get down into the all things cold chain. Um, so I guess, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that we see out in the cold chain and temperature controlled world uh, on a daily basis? Uh, yeah, I think there's a few things. I, I think it starts with just the temperature control in general, right? I mean, it, that starts at shipping. Um, you know, we have to train our drivers to make sure that they're pulping product if they're allowed to, um, to make sure that the shipper is pre-cooling the product to the correct temperature. I think one of the biggest misconceptions when people first enter the cold chain world is they think that a refrigerated trailer is going to bring down temp in transit. That's not its job. Its job is to maintain temperature. Um, so we have to make sure that the product is, is at the right temperature before we load it. Um, then technology, making sure you have the right monitoring systems, making sure we're using the right trailers with um, the right amount of insulation, things of that nature. Um, so we pre-vet our carriers. We're able to track their trailers through their bin. Um, there's some good technology out there today that allows us to, sh to really dial deep on the carriers that we're loading and not just their FMCSA or DOT or safety ratings, the actual equipment that they're using. And, and that's imperative if you're loading, you know, temperature control product the way we do. Um, so making sure that the equipment, the technology is up to speed and up to snuff. Um, and then just training, um, training our drivers, talking to them about what we're picking up, making sure that they understand, um, you know, the color of, of the product, especially if you're loading tomatoes or bananas or things of that nature, um, and just educating them on, on the proper protocol, on making sure that the product's not loaded too high, that it's not pitching an air chute, that it's not too far back on the trailer. So the air can circulate properly. So that goes into the training process. Um, and then just tackling the un unknown, the unforeseen at times um, in the winter. Obviously, it can get pretty cold uh, throughout the plains and northeast and here in the Midwest. Um, and understanding that if we run into any stoppages in transit, that that product could be in, in jeopardy. Um, so making quick decisions and communicating with our customers. Um, so, you know, the temperature control world has a lot of challenges, uh, but if you understand what you're doing and, and really dive deep and become a professional in that aspect, um, you can, you can stay away from some of these issues that, that 
tend to pop up for others. They like it, the the best preparedness you can kind of use to avoid some of the more common problems and save your efforts for the really difficult problems that you one hundred percent that you wake up that morning and go, Oh no, what have we done? <laughs> How are we gonna fix this one? How are we gonna fix this one? Right. Yeah. Um, I guess how early um how early before like a carrier that shows up to a shipper, like how how early do they need to turn on that reefer unit to make sure that it's at that valid temperature? So like if you're hauling something from, you know, that might be 40 degrees and then you have your next shipment um, 20 miles away is uh, it needs to be down to like 32 degrees. How 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 much time do carriers need a lot for transportation like that? Because that's going to affect pickup times and everything like that, too. One hundred percent. We we tend to have our, our guys pre cool a few hours before loading. Um, a lot of it has to do with where they're at, right? I mean, if you're if you're picking up in, you know, California this time of year, it's hot, right? So you need to be pre-cooling two or three hours before time. If you're loading strawberries, that need to be at 35 degrees um, because the temperature outside might be 90, right? So you can't just pull up to the dock, bump the dock, turn the reef rod, and expect to get loaded. You're, you're going to waste a few hours sitting there, Um you know, so it goes both ways and, and we, we tell our drivers the expectation when we dispatch them, um, our technology will, will update them on any temperature changes. Um, you know, we're, we're pinging their phones, we're pinging the dispatchers to make sure that they understand what the temperature of that, that shipment needs to be. And it's communicated. It's, it's a verbal communication. It's a written communication. We're sending it in text. We're sending it in email and we're talking to the driver and in, in dispatch, right? Um, and then when they get loaded, if it's during working hours, our team is making sure that, Hey, that refrigeration unit is running at X, Y, Z temperature and it's continuous. That is another thing that we mandate here at SFL. Um, we don't want any temperatures stopping and starting. It needs to be a continuous cold chain. Um, so every shipment that we run, especially in produce and food, um, is going to be on a continuous cycle. Um, Sometimes when you run into issues on the other end, it's because that that driver had changed it to a stop start, and that's when you'll see spikes in temperature throughout transit. We don't want to see that. We want to see that consistent line across. Um, when we explain that and and loading, and it's in an, every rate confirmation, it's in every conversation we have, um, and it's it's just basically mandated. If you're going to work for us and, and some of the shippers that we want to move move freight for. That's just what the expectation is, and that's that's the rule of thumb, right? Um, so, you know, we also talk to our shippers. You know, we want to make sure the product's pre-cooled. We want to make sure they're tracking that trailer, too. You know, I think it is a team effort. Sometimes, it, you know, especially back in when I first started in the industry, it was like the shipper was against the driver, and if there was a mistake, they were blaming each other. Um, I, I say they're both at fault, right? And, and it's the broker's job to communicate both ends of that for the shipper to understand that, hey, please make sure this trailer is pretty cool at the right temp so we don't have any issues. And then as we're communicating with the dispatcher or driver that, hey, make sure the product's pretty cool. If they won't let you pulp it, call us. Because then all we have to do is pick up the phone and call our customers and have that conversation that you've got to at least show our drivers something to give them confidence that this product is pulped at the right temperature before they load it. Or they're not going to be held guilty if, if something shows up one, if we have a cool, good reefer download or a good temp recorder, right? So just communicating up front 
you can stave off so many issues at the shipping process. Making sure the trailer's pre-cooled, that was a great, great point you made. Making sure that the product's pre-cooled, making sure that it's loaded properly. Those three things are going to take care of 95% of the issues that you'll run into in a cold chain situation. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I like that you guys truly have that partnership with your carriers and your shippers and you kind of expect everyone to work together on the same page. It's not that us against them thing where, you know, if your driver shows up and they see something wrong, they feel comfortable enough to call you. And then in turn, you can go ahead and call that shipper and say, hey, what's going on? I thought we were all kind of on the same page about this shipment. Um, I do truly like that, you know, you do have your shippers back and your carriers back at the end of the day, because there's a lot of people out there that wouldn't necessarily like, you know, take the time to go advocate for their driver with the shipper um, would ultimately, if the shipper's goods, it's going to potentially be at risk of getting damaged. 100%, right? I mean, we're all in this together. And we all have a piece of that cold chain from pickup to delivery. So we have to work together. And, and we understand that sometimes, you know, they'll get slowed down on the field or the product doesn't come in as fast as we'd like and drivers get stuck at shipping. It's, it's tough, right? So sometimes a shipper will try to rush something onto a truck and it hasn't been pre-cooled properly. Nine times out of 10, you're going to end up with a problem at delivery. You're going to see a temp tail that starts high and goes low, low, low through transit because that reefer unit's working overtime trying to bring that temp down, but it's not made to do that. So if the temp, I'd rather sit at shipping for another hour, two hours so they can pre-cool the product properly or pre-cool that trailer properly because we're, it's just going to, it's going to keep us clear of any issues at delivery. I like that. That's kind of working proactively to avoid some of those common issues that you see, um, because no, but honestly, nobody wants to wake up that day and have an entire trailer of spoiled goods. Like that's just not fun for anyone. So I think anything you can do to kind of avoid that is a win. A hundred percent. I agree with you. Um, so I guess when it comes to it, um, this is something that also, you know, we've seen a lot of food recalls lately and other things. Um, and, you know, food waste is, it's well known that it's a pretty big uh, con contributor to carbon emissions. I guess, how it, that kind of goes in hand with food safety because, you know, you don't want to have a pallet of strawberries go out and it's not at the right temperature. It could have, you know, fallen outside of that appropriate zone during transport. And then you're left, well, how do we sell it? How do we not sell it? What do we do with it? So kind of how important is that food safety component to the cold chain shipping and, you know, really being educated and informed around shipping policies? Yeah, I mean, Food safety is imperative, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the one thing that we focus on every single shipment to make sure that the trailer is properly cleaned, right? It, it, 
because these guys are loading different commodities. And that's part of our conversation with them is understanding that, hey, I'm going to pick up a load of lettuce. You couldn't have had raw meat in your trailer in the past 30 days without a proper clean out, right? And that's a disinfected clean out. So, you know, we communicate this with our carriers. Um, luckily, we've been in the business long enough that we know which carriers are loading, hauling, you know, dog food or meat or produce. And it's typically not the same carrier. Um, so they understand that and it's just communicating with our trucking companies, um, on the commodities that we are loading and that, Hey, by the way, you, you have to stay away from these commodities. If you had these other commodities on your trip, um, most of the, most of the carriers are professional enough to understand that, um, you know, it's our job to, to make sure that we're monitoring the right carriers that we're, that we're hiring the right carriers, um, knock on wood. We've never had had an issue of that magnitude. Um, and a lot of it goes back to, I think, that preparation in the beginning. We take a lot of time in training and in, in vetting our carriers, um, talking to our shippers. That's another thing. I mean, if, if, a, if a trailer pulls up and there's just an awkward smell in the trailer, don't load it. You know, we'll tell, I'll, we will find another truck. Um, that's our problem, not your problem, shipper. You know, just let's not load this truck. I'll send them to get a clean out and inspect what's going on there, but we're not loading that truck. Too. We'll send somebody else in. Um, I would rather have that phone call up front than that phone call a month later saying, Hey, there might be a foodborne illness that came out of your trailer. Um, so, you know, goes back to that team effort and I know I keep harping on it, but I really think it's super important when you're, when you're loading, you know, product that people are consuming. Um, you have to communicate with your shippers. You have to communicate with your drivers um, because it's our job in the cold chain to prevent that from the shipping through delivery point. Um, once it's delivered, then it's up to that retailer, up to that wholesaler, whoever is taking ownership of that product. Um, I wish this would go through all the way through to companies like you know your home delivery companies, your final mile companies. I'm wondering where they fit into this conversation because I'm afraid to get my food delivered from the, from the grocery store to my house at times. And it's sitting out on your porch. And I'm like, hold on a second. If I just sat a load of strawberries out on the dock and left, I would probably be buying the strawberries. So, you know, it's, it's interesting how that's working in the, in the final mile sector, but I know in our sector, we're, we're constantly focused on it. Our, our, our brokers our, our operations teams, are talking to shippers, are talking to drivers to make sure that, that that trailer was cleaned out properly, that nothing was inside that trailer that could cause the, a type of foodborne illness that we're talking about. Um, and then we're we're doubling back to the shipper that, hey, go ahead and inspect the trailer. We want you to. If it's not cleaned out properly, if it's got a smell in there, don't load. We'll, we're, we'll send somebody else in. I think also, if I remember correctly, I don't have the updated information on it, but I know that the FDA is, I think it's the FDA, they have the home delivery and the final mile in their crosshairs as well because they want to make sure that they can get the temperatures for it. Like I know that Instacart, I think they're piloting a program where they can actually say what temperature things were at and how long it was outside of a window. Um, unfortunately, you know, if they deliver it on someone's doorstep, that's kind of out of their control if they're not there. 
But, um, you know, as someone who has used it, um, I usually am home. I schedule it for when I'm home. But, you know, I'm not everyone who uses the service. We've used it on like vacations and stuff. Um, and then, but same thing, we're there when the food arrives. Uh, but if we're talking about the entirety of the cold chain, that is a piece of it, right? And that conversation needs to be had. Um, and it's, it's going to make the dynamic a little bit more complex than it is today, but you can't have somebody getting sick from a product. And then there's a window of four or five hours that we know nothing about because you, how do you map that back properly? And it's not to place blame on anybody, but it's to protect those that were involved in that cold chain that did the right job. And at the same time, if you don't know where the problem came from, it's impossible to solve and come up with an answer and a solution. So you, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but when those problems do come up, what's kind of the best way of solving them? I know it's a pretty broad question, but like, you know, if you have, um, obviously if you have a funky trailer, we covered that one, they go, go to wash out, you recover it with someone else. Um, but if you have something that, you know, arrived to the shipper, what are some like on the wrong temperature? How, how do you, how do you handle that stuff? Like, yeah. It's imperative to get on top of it immediately. Uh, we have a claims department, um, and we have a claims administrator. That's his primary job is if there is an issue in damages, um, any cold chain issue, whether a product comes in hot or cold or frozen, um, he is on top of it immediately. Our, our team has to take it to him because we want, he's kind of our third party. This there's no, he has no skin in the game. He's not friends with the carrier. He's not friends with the shipper or his customer. It's his job is just to look at the data and collect as much of it as possible, as quickly as possible. Um, so, you know, we need pictures of the product. We need pulp temps. We need, um, we want to see if they can show us how it was loaded because a lot of that can start if the product's loaded too high and air couldn't circulate, if the air shoe was pinched, um, things of that nature. Um, so he, I think it's just imperative to start immediately. And the second you get that phone call or the second you get that email, we're dropping everything, taking it to claims, and the investigation starts. And it goes back to we're not looking to place blame anywhere. We just want to know what happened in that that environment that created the problem so we can work to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, so like I said, we're collecting pictures, we're collecting pulp temps, reefer downloads are, are important. Um, a lot of times you can figure it out really quickly that, you know what, this, so this is something that happened at shipping. The product was loaded too far back. There wasn't proper air circulation or no way they were pinching the chute, things of that nature. Um, if we can see crumpled boxes below, you know, maybe there was too much moisture in the, in the product and the boxes weakened, um, if there's damages. So it's, it's just the investigative process has to start the second it happens and we don't stop until we feel like we've had a solution. And then we're communicating constantly. We're communicating with whoever the owner is that product is, whether it's the retailer or wholesaler or, or just a buyer. Um, the shipper is in communication with us, the receiver and our driver. And we don't leave that dock until we know what's going on. Where you run into problems is when a driver just pulls away and just leaves and the investigation hasn't properly circumvented, then it becomes a he said, she said, and everybody starts pointing fingers. Um, so our goal isn't to do that or have people doing that. Our goal is to really find the problem and the source 
So then we can educate that carrier, educate our shipper on what happened here. Um, and, and we're tracking every single shipment that way. So if we run into multiple problems and we have a single source that connects them, say a shipper or a carrier, then it's easier to kind of connect the dots and, and, and start to problem solve from there. Uh, but I would tell people that aren't familiar with shipping in general, but especially in the cold chain, that investigative process has to start immediately and it has to be thorough. You can't leave any stone unturned. You have to really get as many pictures as you can, as many temperatures as you can, and then investigate it. You know, if you see a, a solid um, temp recorder and a solid reefer download and there's one product, that's what happened here, right? And a lot of times it's, we're going to want multiple pulp temps because sometimes you'll have perfectly cool product in the back of the trailer and that's what they pulped, but in the middle of the trailer, everything's warm. Right, that shouldn't happen in transit. And if we've got good solid reefer, you know, temperatures, then it tells me we will over warm product. Um, if I've got a temp recorder that's going all up and down, like like you know, CT scan, whatever, then that's a that's a carrier problem. You know, something happened with that reefer unit in transit, whether it was malfunctioning or you set it on stop start. That's a driver problem, and that's the the. You know, the issue starts there, and that's how we need to educate our driver not to do that, and it becomes a carrier claim. Um, so, you know, our goal is to simply make sure that the product is protected in transit, and if it didn't get to the delivery point the way we promised it would or expected it would, is to find the solution right away. Um, so, you know, we get involved very quickly. We're very hands-on, and, and we typically figure out claims within the first, 30 minutes of that issue being handled by just attacking aggressively. And if people do not get us information back, we're blowing their phones up because we know time is imperative there. The longer that that lingers, the easier it becomes to start. Product starts to disappear. You know, drivers start to disappear. And then it's really hard to do your investigation when there's no, nothing to look at, right? Nothing to take pictures of, nothing to pulp. So, it's imperative to get on top of it and have everybody communicating together on what we need um, so we can make sure that everybody is protected and, and that, you know, the issue is solved from then on. I absolutely love that, just the proactiveness. And I'm also very impressed that usually within 30 minutes you can get your claims sorted because I know people that would take like a week or two to get their claims figured out. You've got to go quick. Um, we've learned that over the years. And like I said, we've been I've been in the food world for a long time now, 23, 24 years. Um, so I've educated our team on how to do it. I handled claims when we first opened SFL. Um, and then, you know, as we grew, we, we developed that department and it's, I mean, we've done a phenomenal job of keeping our claim ratios extremely, extremely low. Um, a lot of that, you know, starts at the shipping point. Like I said earlier in the conversation, uh, but also on the back end, if you investigate the claim properly, you're going to protect that carrier so much more than, than not, right? And the, the goal is to really protect all your partners in that cold chain. And that starts with the shipper, the carrier, the receiver, everybody involved. So that's why the investigation is so important um, because we're all paying a lot for insurance. And then if you don't do that process correctly, that insurance is going to, they're just going to kick it. Right, they're not going to cover the claim, 
So you have to make sure that you've got all your I's dotted and T's crossed for an insurance claim or, you know, for us just to say, hey, this isn't a driver claim. This goes back on the shipper and here's why. And most of the time we're going to be right in that investigation. And sometimes a third party comes in and um, I would say about 98% of the time our investigation is going to match up with theirs. I, I like that. That's a, that's a good record to have. It is solid. I agree. We are running out of time, but we already know where you stand on some very hot issues. This one could be the most important of all. Um, So this is a two-parter. The first one is, when you're on an airplane, do you keep your shoes on or do you take your shoes off? So I travel a lot, and this is like a pet peeve. When people take their shoes off and socks off, I just want to throw up on a plane. I don't know how you do it. Planes are disgusting. Um, plane bathrooms and planes are disgusting. How are you walking around with those shoes on? I don't understand it. I actually had a guy, I was on a flight to California not long ago. The guy was luckily not in my row, but I could see him. He's sitting there clipping his toenail. I would immediately be like, I'm sorry, is there an air marshal on this flight? Um, arrest him immediately. Immediately. So my shoes are always on on the plane. Okay, so you are a normal person, in my opinion. Um, also, when you go through TSA, are you a so- are you like a socks or a barefoot, or do you got that sweet TSA pre-check where you don't have to take your socks off? I've, I've got clear TSA, so the shoes stay on. If if ever I have to take them off, I am socks definitely. Okay, good because I have seen people like just barefoot through security, and it does make me uh, judge them and throw up a little. My wife had to do that not long ago and she wanted to throw up. Yeah. It's not great. She literally, yeah, it was, she's like, oh my God, I don't have, she had the flippers on or something, which she never wears on a flight. And she had to take them off and she was freaking out. It was terrible. Justifiably so. I would, I would be unwell. All right. So if anyone wants to reach out about produce or, you know, how to get a stellar claims record like you guys, where can they find you outside the show? So our website's www.sflcompanies.com and you can always email me at royce at sflcompanies.com. Awesome. You guys heard it here first. Royce's DMs are open um, unless you wear your shoes, unless you take your shoes off on an airplane, then they are firmly closed. They are closed. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks for having me. You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice right here on FreightWaves TV, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Need more running on ice news? No sweat. Subscribe to the newsletter on freightwaves.com slash running on ice. See you on the internet.